Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning. It's Tuesday, the 5th of September here in London. This is the Bloomberg Daybreak Europe podcast. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Coming up today, Bloomberg Economics says China's economy may never definitively surpass the US as the developer Country Garden makes a last-minute debt repayment. Bosses and employees wrestle with the $1.3 trillion return to office dilemma. And we bring you the inside story of the deal-making Abu Dhabi Sheikh, who oversees a $1.5 trillion empire. Let's start with a roundup of our top stories. China may never eclipse the US as the world's largest economy, according to Bloomberg Economics. Its calculations show China's GDP may briefly surpass that of the US in 2040, but even then it will happen only by a small margin before falling back behind. Before the pandemic, the expectation was that China would take and hold pole position as early as the start of the next decade. The research reflects decisions already being made by investors. Eddie Lowe, CIO at Maybank Group Wealth Management, says he's downgraded his view of China. The very constrained policy uh, responses actually over not just past month, but actually over the past 12 months, coupled with a very damaged uh, confidence, uh, be it in consumers and business, suggests that it will take time to repair. Uh, Eddie Lowe's comments come as the Mercedes CEO, Ola Kalenius, has also walked back his previously bullish view on China, telling Bloomberg that they're now taking a more cautious stance on the country. Country Garden has averted default on its dollar debt by paying coupons on two bonds within their grace period. The Chinese builder needed to pay a combined $22.5 million in interest by Wednesday. China's housing crisis has engulfed the country's private developers, producing record waves of defaults and leaving a shrinking group of survivors. Bloomberg's data shows that 34 of China's top 50 private sector developers by dollar bond issuance have already suffered delinquencies on offshore debt. Bloomberg has learned that CVC Capital Partners is nearing a deal to buy infrastructure investor Diff Capital Partners ahead of a potential listing. The European private equity firm could announce a deal as soon as Tuesday, according to sources. Infrastructure has been one of the hottest areas of deal making over the past year and Diff, based in the Netherlands, has around 16 billion euros of assets under management, according to its website. Bloomberg understands that the UK will announce new planning regulations that will lift an effective ban on new offshore wind farms this week. Bloomberg's Ewan Potts reports. It's a controversy that's been blowing for years, but Bloomberg has learned the government will today effectively end the ban on onshore wind developments. A consultation will be launched on giving local communities power to agree to new projects after a nine-month delay on the decision. The Prime Minister's decision to lift the effective ban on new onshore wind farms comes after he previously caved in to rebel Conservative MPs on the issue. Last year, Sunak said he wanted to pursue offshore wind due to the distress and disruption onshore wind farms can cause to local residents. The the decision to allow more onshore wind comes as the UK faces up to multi-billion dollar green tax subsidies in both the US and the EU. In London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. 
The UK has one of the highest rates of remote work in the world. The average British worker spends one and a half days at home every week. A Bloomberg investigation into how the world returns to the office found Europe's better public transport has made hybrid models more viable. Although US companies have some of the strictest work-from-home policies, America lags far behind the rest of the world in getting staff to come back to the office. More domestic news here. The government is coming under growing criticism for its handling of the concrete schools crisis. Bloomberg reported that Education Secretary Gillian Keegan was on holiday in Spain while the problem unfolded. She was caught in an unguarded moment wearing a microphone after an interview with ITV. Does anyone ever say, you know what, you've done a good job because everyone else has sat on their and done nothing? No, no, no signs of that, no. Keegan later apologised for the language. Prime Minister Rishi Sunak was also forced to deny personal responsibility for the debacle following claims that he approved cuts to the school's building programme when he was Chancellor. Elon Musk is blaming the Anti-Defamation League for the slump in advertising revenue at his social media platform X. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the story. Ad sales are still down 60%. Musk posting primarily due to pressure on advertisers mounted by ADL. He, in a series of posts, says it has been, quote, trying to kill the platform since he bought it, falsely accusing it and him of being anti-Semitic. Musk says it is a pro-free speech platform, but against anti-Semitism of any kind. He says he is as well. He says legal action is an option. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. Well, after Gillian Keegan landed herself in some hot water over those hot mic moments uh, yesterday, a slightly different uh, political uh, fun being made, I suppose, of a politician on the internet, uh, the Chancellor Olaf Scholz in Germany, uh, had a jogging accident over the weekend, which left him with some cuts and bruises, and he's wearing an eye patch as a result of that. But he released, ahead of appearing in any other public forum, a photo of himself, an official portrait photo of himself wearing his eye patch uh, with the message on social media, I can't wait to see the memes. Yeah, absolutely. And memes, they did come. Yeah, absolutely. Pirate memes uh, in particular, obviously. Uh, look, is that is that what it takes to be a politician these days? You have to get out in front of the story before the sort of story grabs you by the social media scruff of the neck. Yeah, I mean, look, it's an interesting political communication strategy to say, you know, before there's any sort of questions about what happened and how was he, you know, he released a, the photo. And it's a particularly nice photo, I must, have, yes. I must say, about Olaf Schultz is nicely shot, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, very, very visibly he was hurt. Like, he must have taken yes. a terrible tumble by the looks of things. Um, but he, he said to be fine and, and apparently will make full recovery uh, from his injured eye as well. Yeah, no, I think the Gillian Keegan moment uh, has gained more uh, visibility here in the UK. The education Secretary. I mean, schools are going back this week. This issue around um, the use of a particular type of concrete in school buildings, but in a lot of public buildings between the 1950s and 1990s that have not been replaced, that could be dangerous, is an enormous issue for government that was really hoping, you know, to put its best foot forward. It's now been mired in this controversy. She didn't say who she was blaming mm. for sort of sitting around and not dealing with the problem. Was it former Conservative governments she was talking about? Was it the Labour government even before that in the twenty that left office in 2010? Uh, she wasn't clear. Yeah.
uh, but certainly something that I think uh, has taken over somewhat of the narrative on that story as well. Let's turn to the news out of China this morning, though. The troubled property developer Country Garden seems to have avoided a default, at least for now. It's told its shareholders that it has paid the interest due on dollar bonds before the grace period expired. Missing a payment on these bonds has sparked a massive rout in the company's shares uh, just a few weeks ago. Bloomberg's China Credit Editor Kevin Kingsbury joins us now for more on this story. Kevin, great to have you with us. So Country Garden has made these payments. What does it mean for the company's future? So it's just the kind of the tip of the iceberg as far as the amount of debt that it has uh, coming due and uh, interest payments on through the end of the year. Nearly $2 billion worth of various obligations that it could be liable for, depending upon if some bonds um, and their holders demand early repayments, which could happen on several notes later this month. So we've gotten these $22.5 million uh, paid in the interest. So it's definitely a relief for the market, but we just have to see what happens with some of these near-term payments coming up in the next few weeks, because it is far out of the woods for Country Garden. Okay, far from being out of the words, yes, understood. More broadly, though, we're keeping a close eye on China's property sector. Um, Tell us about the recent support measures that have been announced uh, over the last couple of weeks. They've been uh, piecemeal. What do they add up to? Well, ultimately, the government is hoping that they add up to increased demand for new homes. Uh, In August, they fell about a third year over year. It was the third straight month of big declines after some growth for the first time since 2021 earlier this year. So those earlier gains, they sparked hope that the f- uh, bottom was finally in for Chinese new homes. But it appears in the last few months that that's not the case. And so we've had these new round of measures, uh, including last week, uh, cutting the down payment requirements for both first-time and second uh, homeowners. And it seems as though the initial reaction has been positive. Uh, Beijing and Shanghai saw some significant increases in both existing and new home sales this past weekend after the mortgage rules were uh, rolled out. So there is some hope that we're finally getting to a point where some of these measures that have been talked about that are starting to actually come to fruition are going to help stoke some demand in the housing market. The property slump has been a key element of the latest forecast that we've had from Bloomberg Economics that we're also reporting on today, which now says the Chinese economy will not eclipse that of the US. So a shift from its previous forecast. How significant is that? Well, certainly... um The race between the U.S. and China as to who's going to have the biggest economy has been something that's been talked about for a good number of years now. But now that China's population has seemingly peaked out, uh, uh, the number of people fell slightly in 2022, and it just seems as though that trend is going to accelerate. Um, It raises the question, certainly, as to whether the per capita economic activity in China can get closer to matching the U.S. to be able to the overall economy eclipsing the U.S. in size. Yeah. Um, and so for others, when we're thinking about, I mean, it is a huge shift, isn't it, in thinking? Because uh, for, for a long time, there was this idea that China was accelerating, surging ahead and would overtake the US. So the, a reversal of that idea is very significant. What does a slowing China mean for the rest of the world now, do you think? Sure. It's, it certainly means as though it, the global economy is going to diversify, diversify more be, uh, beyond the U.S. and China, uh, places like India, places like Africa, folks are already have been moving more into these markets in recent years. And so long as the governments are allowing foreign capital to flow into these markets, you're going to see increased activity from outside of their own borders to help kind of 
grow those those economies to make them manufacturing hubs, for example, things that we've seen in places perhaps like Vietnam or Thailand, where some of the Western manufacturers have been moving some things out of China and into other markets in Southeast Asia, for example. Okay, Kevin, thank you very much. Bloomberg's China Credit Editor Kevin Kingsbury there reporting. The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication. It's fortitude. And it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years. And it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us, made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. Now, as oil wealth flows to all corners of the globe, from mega mergers to major sports acquisitions, a key member of Abu Dhabi's ruling family is standing out as one of the world's most influential deal makers. This is a major uh, feature that we uh, have on the Bloomberg Terminal today. And now from Dubai, our Middle East economics reporter, Abir Abu Amam, joins us to discuss the story. Abir, good morning. Thank you so much for your time. Just firstly, who is Sheikh Tahnoun and what is the extent of his reach? Yeah, hi. Good morning, Caroline. We discuss the growing influence of Sheikh Tahnoun, who has come to prominence in the last few years. But I mean, growing up here, you, you know, people heard about Sheikh Tahnoun. You must have heard about the Nahyan family. He's he's one of MBZ's brothers. Um, he has a massive array of uh, positions under his umbrella. Uh, so some of his positions include he is the chairman of the biggest sovereign wealth fund um, in Abu Dhabi, Adia. He also chairs Royal Group, International Holding Company, ADQ, another sovereign wealth fund, and the biggest bank um, in the UAE, First Abu Dhabi Bank. So he definitely has, again, a massive sort of influence when it comes to the financial uh, umbrella of, of the country. And he's grown in this, um, in this influence over the past few years because of the deals that he has clustered with um, other businessmen and other companies and other countries even. Um, and um, I think one of the biggest uh, titles that he holds is he's the national security advisor to the UAE. Uh, so he sort of mixes uh, between foreign policy and um, and business, which has gained him the status of being sort of the de facto uh, business um, influencer in the UAE. What kind of deals were his companies in charge of recently, Abir? So there are plenty, right? So you know we can we can start with some of the deals that he wanted to uh, go through earlier this year. Those those considered uh, buying Standard Chartered, Lazard at the start of this year, they were ultimately unsuccessful. But they sort of highlight the scale of his ambitions. So. 
some of the deals that did go through include investments in TikTok, um, which is owned by ByteDance. Um, also, some deals where he wanted to um, where he wanted to invest billions of dollars into neighboring economies such as Turkey and Egypt, which really depend on Gulf money um, and have been depending on Gulf money over the past few years. So <clears throat> he's also had an agreement to bankroll Mestra, uh, you know, Mestra's uh, 6.8 billion dollar vehicle and it and takeovers of multiple um multiple entities um around the region yeah i i suppose the risks though i mean we can see the ambition um of these deals what are the key risks facing um the his businesses well, look, I mean, the UAE and other Gulf countries have been super invested in U.S. stocks and U.S. deals generally over the past, I would say, decade. For the UAE, it's been um, a major <clears throat> asset. U.S. deals have been major in the UAE's portfolio, but these have become have started to become more complex for um, the region, for Gulf entities. Uh, the broad sort of geographic scope uh, will continue to attract FDI, but there are concerns about potential information flow to China. And that comes after the UAE and Saudi Arabia from the Gulf region joined uh, BRICS about two weeks ago now. Um, and certainly the UAE is starting to look at more friends, um, other friends than the US, including China and, and countries in Africa. But the UAE says, listen, this flow is not does not mean that we're going to cut ties with the US or with the West. It just means that we're expanding um, our horizon. We're expanding uh, where money comes from, but those are cert- certainly things that the U.S. would be con- would be concerned about. Yeah. Uh, other things include okay. that the UAE has been included in the FATF gray list um, two years ago at this point, or one and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. So that that you know that includes um, part of the risks. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, your morning brief on the stories making news from London to Wall Street and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed every morning on Apple, Spotify and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning on London DAB Radio, the Bloomberg Business app and Bloomberg.com. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day, right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.